Well, good morning and Merry Christmas and welcome to, uh, to a special uh, Sunday where we, uh, I think most Sundays we, we obviously worship and, and dwell on Christ, but especially this morning we, we dwell on really the centerpiece of the Christian faith, that God became man and dwelt among us. Um, so we'll be in Luke 2 this morning, uh, verses kind of 1 through 7 mostly, but kind of the whole chapter of Luke 2. So if you have a Bible, feel free to turn it there. Um, but before we jump into Luke 2, I want to pray for us and, and ask for God's blessing on, on our time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas morning. We thank you especially that, that you are not like us. You are not like me, God. That you are humble, emptying yourself to fill up others. You're gracious, suffering so that others might taste forgiveness. And you are loyal, enduring rejection so that we who reject might taste an enduring love. God, you are not like us, and so we quiet our hearts and open our ears to hear from you the one voice we need in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, people love to sing, which I confess, when I was a kid, I didn't really understand. The kids, I don't know how many of you have been to like a Broadway show or a theater where people sing throughout the show, or maybe you've seen a movie like that where people do most of, uh, they sing instead of talk, which I always confused me. I wondered why people would do that. Like, I, I don't do that. I don't start, I'm not talking to my parents and then all of a sudden just break out in a song. It just always seemed weird to me. And yet for as, as long as human beings have lived, we don't just speak to one another. We actually, we, we sing. And we do this at, at athletic events, at, Every athletic event starts with the Star Spangled Banner, and most people sing along with it. So my first time to Arrowhead, I was shocked when the end of the song, at the very end, it's the home of the brave, and everyone yelled around me, Chiefs. I didn't know that they did that, and it just kind of it freaked me out for a minute, because why are these people yelling? Um, or at the end of, of Cubs games, when Cubs, the Cubs win, they, they sing this really cheesy song called Go Cubs Go. It's, it's not that great of a song, and yet, Cub fans, we love to sing it uh, because when the Cubs win, you sing it together. And 40,000 people singing out in, in unison. And we sing together at, at concerts that uh, when, when the best songs our favorite bands play, we all sing out in unison um, and the crowd becomes a, tw- a choir. And we sing at church. And so maybe, maybe you've wondered why. Why do we do that? Why is singing such a central response for Christian um, that maybe makes you uncomfortable, maybe it feels weird uh, to you. And so this morning I just want to pose that question. Why, why do we sing as a church? Why is singing an appropriate response for we who believe in Christ? Why sing? Now I want to give three quick answers out of Luke 2 this morning. Um, we sing because Christmas happened, Christmas has weight, and Christmas is for us. At first, Christmas, it happens. That when Luke, in Luke chapter 2, which I'll read in a minute, when he begins his account of the birth of Jesus, it, it doesn't begin like Star Wars begins. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It doesn't sound like a fairy tale, once upon a time. If you actually look at Luke 2, it reads a bit more like the Kansas City Star than a good movie. Now listen to uh, verses 1 through 5, Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Quint- when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, 
who was with child. Everyone's still awake after that. Right? That's not Star Wars or a fairy tale. Instead, Luke, he's listing names, people. He's listing cities. He's listing laws that had to be obeyed, taxes that had to be paid. But Luke, he's not, he's not telling us a story. He's writing history. That's what I mean when I say Christmas happens. And maybe uh, you're in a place you're, you're not sure that it really happened. You, you don't believe the story is true. And, and, and that's okay. Or maybe you struggle to believe that it's, it's true. Uh, but what, what I want to push this into this morning is just say, whatever you think about the Christmas story, um, it, it, you can't treat it like a fairy tale or like a movie. That Luke is claiming this, this really actually happened, which means you have, to, you have to treat Jesus like you treat any historical events. That's what, growing up a, a Cubs fan, I had heard that they won the World Series in 1908. Um, but that was a long time ago. I was not alive, nor of most of the people that I know were they alive at that time. In fact, no one that I know was alive at that time. And so it was a, it was a historical fact. There were newspaper articles. There's banners flying above Wrigley Field that says that happened. Um, or maybe for you, right, the, the Chiefs won Super Bowl four, or so they say. Most of us weren't alive at that, at that point. And so that, that's how we have to look at Christmas. It's a historical event, and that's what Luke wants us to see. And so as much as I love this time of year, um, and especially all the movie, Christmas movies, the stories, the tales we tell at this time of year, which increase our wonder, our excitements, they entertain us uh, more and more at, at this time of year, it can be easy to where... The story of Jesus just becomes one more tale among all the tales that we hear. It's so Friday night. Our family watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And then the next day, at Christmas Eve, we're, we're at uh, church listening to the story of Jesus. Right? It can almost be as if what Luke 2 said uh, about Jesus is like what, what Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer said about a reindeer of however long ago that, that was. Right? Rudolph has his nemesis, the abominable snowman, the, the terrifying bumble. And Jesus has Herod, the terrifying king who wants to uh, kill children. In each tale, there are, are, there's a baby who's born that's it, it's different. One baby is born claiming to be God. The other uh, is a uh, deer that has a flashing red flashlight as, as a nose. And so the, these are tales we tell ourselves every year. But, but we can't look at Christmas like that. It either happens or it didn't. It either, Jesus either is God, born to, to, to dwell among us, or he was just another baby born at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And so we need to check the history, check Luke's claims. He actually begins his gospel by inviting you to do that, by saying, I have, I have done the research, I have found the witnesses, I have done the best I can to give you an accurate portrayal of what happened all of those years ago. And so that, that's one reason we sing. We, we don't sing as Christians... Because the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. That's not why we sing. We sing because every song is retelling history. It's, it's a retelling of the story of salvation. We're responding to God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. That on this day, over 2,000 years ago, a little baby was born named Jesus. And that baby grew into a man that convinced Thousands of people who did not believe God could become a man, that he was God who had become a man. That that baby grew into the single most consequential figure in history. It's the most important thing that ever happened. It's why, it's why we sing. Christmas happened. But second, I, I said Christmas has, has weight. 
And what I mean by that is, is when Jesus is born, the angels appear and they sing a song to the shepherds. And here's what they sing in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This phrase, glory, is all over the Bible and, and is here at, at the birth narrative of Jesus. But it's a religious word that we tend to use all the time. And, and so I think it's easy for us not to actually understand what the word means, but um, just to, to hear it as a religious word that we quickly dismiss. And so here, here's how I would explain the word glory. Um, that I wrestled one year in junior high. Um, it was just a very short year. It was a, it was a huge mistake, but I did that for a year. And, and there, I, I wrestled uh, uh, most weeks people who were in my weight class, but there was one, we were playing a smaller school, and they didn't have anyone in my weight class. So my, uh, my, my coach told me, you're going to wrestle someone who's 30 pounds heavier than you, which is like, okay. Whatever. It didn't sound like that big of a deal until I, I got onto the, to the mat and I tried to move him, and I couldn't. Right, and he could move me very easily and, and push me around. And I, if I collided with him, he didn't move, but I went, I went falling backwards. Right? It was an immovable object. He had weight to him, a significance to him that I couldn't just push around. And, and that's, that's a bit of what glory is. It's, it, it's weightiness. It's significance. It moves you. You don't move it. And yet when we read the Christmas story, it seems like this is an easy thing to just dismiss and push away that doesn't have much weight to it. This is a poor family with a, a baby born amongst animals. The first people to hear about the birth, to have it announced to them, it's not, it's not a Caesar, it's not kings or rulers, it's, it's shepherds working the night shift. It's in a normal town called Bethlehem that most people in the world would never have heard of. And that doesn't seem much like glory to us, that the glory to us is, is Caesar Augustus, who we had mentioned in verse 1. That Augustus could, could tax the whole world with, with the stroke of his pen. He could lift his finger and thousands of people miles away from him, whom he had never met, would have to obey him instantly. Now when we think of, of glory, we think of, of palaces and celebrations, monuments and, and armies. That, that's glory. You have to deal with those things. But God's glory, his moment of greatest importance, the moment you can't just push off and shrug away, it is when God comes to dwell among his people. As a burping, crying, helpless baby. At Christmas, it has weight to it. We see the incredible humility of our God becoming poor, willing to suffer for us, willing to die for us, to visit us, right? Barging in through our front door, demanding an audience, invading himself into our lives. And so that's why we sing. The Christmas reveals God, he's, his, he's not like us. His glory is not like us. He's willing to become weak to save us. The glory of God is not just his immense power that he can do anything he wants, but his endless love and, and humility. The great lengths at which he goes to know us, even sending his son to be poor, helpless, and to ultimately die for us. Which brings me to the, the last reason why Christmas, the response for us, is to sing. Why for, throughout centuries, Christians have tried to give their best artistry towards creating music to reflect this moment and this birth. It's not just that Christmas has a glory, has a weight to it. It's not just that Christmas happened. It's a moment in history. But thirdly, Christmas, it's for us. And so look at me, verses 17 and 18. Here's how the shepherds respond to the birth of Jesus. It says, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds, they understood God has come for us to rescue us. 
And so they have two responses. One is they tell everyone who will listen. Right? Christmas is not something we're to keep to ourselves. We, we must tell others God has come to rescue us. And the second response is they, they sang. They glorify and praise God. That this event was so significant to them. As they began to take it in and reflect on it, they, they began to raise their voice in song. Perhaps even singing some of the psalms that we've been, we've been looking at over the past four weeks as we have been in this Advent season. Which brings us back to, to where we started. Why, why do human beings sing? Why do we lift up our, why do we not just speak uh, our hearts, but actually sing our hearts? Why after a, a Cubs, the Cubs win a home game to 40,000 people belt out a song that most of us would never sing under any other circumstances? But today, I don't know if you know this, people, they gather into sing-alongs and go to theaters and will, will actually sing along with their favorite musicals. They'll pay to go do this so that the, 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 the audience actually becomes a choir singing along with the musical. Why do people do that? It's because watching the movie, it's not enough. It's because speaking excitement at a sports event or giving a high five to your neighbor when your team wins, it's not enough. The really great things we encounter, we experience in this life, they, they create in us, they stir in our hearts a passion and a joy and a response that words are not enough for. And even if you're, you're someone who says, I don't like to sing, you're wrong. Listen, I am one of the ones who least likes to sing. I'm like the most introverted, keep my, keep my passions to myself. I don't, I don't have highs and lows. And yet, I, even I get this, that there are things that are too good. You can't just speak them. They have to be sung. They have to have a melody to them. And one of the songs, the signs you and I have understood Christmas, that Christmas, it's not just an intellectual thing we've heard about, but it's actually worked its way into our hearts. One of the ways we understand Christmas, it really happened. God really did dwell among us in history, as sure as the Chiefs won Super Bowl IV. That Christmas has weight. One of the, the ways you know, that this, the, the, the story we tell ourselves, it has a significance to it, a glory to it. One of the ways you know Christmas is for you, that this has actually worked its way into your heart, is that, that you sing. Speaking, it's not enough. You have to lift up a melody. And yet, it's singing, it's a sign that this, this isn't just intellectual belief to us. This isn't just a tale we tell. This, this Jesus we believe in, he changes everything. And the response I, we owe him is, is not enough in words. It's not enough just to ponder, to think about. We must sing. For singing, it, it reveals a heart's cry that goes deeper than the words we speak as we sing. Today, don't hold back. But with all the weight of heaven in you, sing out the song of the sung. Now, when I, I was a kid, my parents would, would sing really loud oldie songs from the 60s. It was really embarrassing and weird to me. And yet, do that. Be weird today. Sing it out. The, the, the tale we are telling ourselves, the story we are, are entering into this morning, it, it calls for a song from us. For the God of the universe became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived among us, tabernacled among us, as John 1 says. And then he didn't just live among us. He went and he died for us so that we, we could sing, so that we could know there's no death, there's no pain, there's no suffering that can separate us from that love he has for us. That our song as Christians, it will never end. That we did the math this week. Christians have been singing for over 100,000 weeks since Jesus' birth, since the church began because of Jesus' intervention in history. And the reality is we're just getting warmed up. We have eternity to sing in response to our God. So this morning, let us sing together. Let's pray. Father, the miracle of Christmas is astounding. And I pray that you would help us to never 
lose our wonder. That you became flesh and dwelt among us. That the light of this world has invaded our darkness. That if we have, as we have reflected on over the last four weeks, God, we, we have hope. We are loved. We shall know true peace. So God, I pray that our hearts will be filled with your joy and that we would sing all the days of our life to the glory of you, our God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.